Hello, and after what seems like an age because it has been, we are back in the studio tackling a Phantom movie. Phantom not because it stars not because it stars a certain masked singing man. Phantom not because it's a Billy Zane starring movie that my brother would never forgive me for mentioning on a radio show about good movies, but Phantom because none of us can seem to know how it ended up on our list. Stay tuned and all will be revealed. Welcome to They Don't Make Them Like They Used To. Okay, cool. Now, usually there would actually be some music here, but we're having some serious technical issues this week. So I'm just going to call you and say it's Friday night. It's slightly after 6 p.m. And that can only mean one thing. It's movie time at St. Mary's Hospital on the Isle of Wight, brought to you by Sunshine Radio. My name is Tosin, and I will be your host over the next hour and a half. This week, we have intrigue, suspense, a family favorite that will make you cry, and epics of biblical proportions. But before we get into all that, we are joined by a lovely lady called Joyce O'Mara from our pet word, Alveston. And in the studio with me as ever are Sh- Sharon. Hello. And Sean. <laughs> Hello there. <laughs> now, it's been almost a month since we've been in here. What have you guys been up to? Uh, watching movies. Um, I've been uh, sort of uh, looking after my parents a bit more than what I normally would. But uh, yeah, nothing majorly exciting. I've been enjoying the spring. I had a, I went to a massive birthday party and my friend Kemi was 50. Oh, and wow. so she had a really big party for 60 of her friends. So um, that took up a big amount of time. I helped her husband to organise that and organise a cake and things like that. So we had a really great time and it was lovely to celebrate her birthday with all her friends and family and all chums. So that took up a bit of my time over Easter. Ah, and cool, of course, Easter cool. is a big event in my household. We have lots of things going on. We go to church and there's always lots going on over Easter. Oh, right. Cool. And um, you know, one of these things where somebody asks you a question and they only ask you the question really because they want to talk about themselves. Yes. I feel like. What have you done this weekend <laughs> or this last month? Tosin? I, Tell us, please. I, I, feel, I feel like I might have just set this up. It just occurred to me now that like, well, actually, well, I'm glad you asked, Sharon. Yeah. <laughs> I know you've been doing exciting things, share. Uh, I, yeah. I've I've been I've been all over the place, yeah. Because I ended up um, I'm registered with a with an extras agency, which means that every now and then you get sent an email asking whether you are available for a couple of days to be in a TV show or in a film or something like that. And I ended up um, ended up on set of a TV show. Well, it's a pilot for a TV show that's being made called um, Will, and it is being directed by a guy called Sheka Kapoor who you might know because he directed the films Elizabeth and Elizabeth the Golden Age with um, Kate Blanchett. Yeah, very well. Yeah, yeah, it was it was actually pretty cool. So ended up three or three weeks ago in a field in Wiltshire. Uh, well, it was actually at Laycock Abbey where they filmed Downton Abbey. Oh, right, wow. They, they filmed Downton Abbey there. They also filmed bits of Harry Potter there. And uh, uh, they feel things like Dr. Thorne. So essentially, this it's a village. It's, it's this village, that is a na- the entire village is a National Trust property. And that means that the village looks exactly the same as it did probably 200 years ago. And if you buy a house there, you are told expressly you are not allowed to change it because it needs to look like that. So essentially, whenever they need a period thing or an Elizabethan village, yeah, they, they go over there. there. Yeah. So it was cool. Had a couple of days, one day filming a market scene. And in this market scene, it was kind of crazy because there were camels and snakes and somebody with a monkey and dancing girls and a naked Native American in a cage. Okay. Yeah, it was it was, it was all a bit it was crazy. One day we were at an execution of a Catholic yelling and screaming as a Bane mob saying, Die, Catholic, whatever. <laughs> at, yeah, at, pretty much, pretty much, yeah. <laughs> Somebody actually, that, I never heard that word before. Someone used that word and I was like, what the, what does that word mean? 
And so, yeah, it's it's been an interesting couple of weeks. It's been an interesting couple of weeks, but I'm, I've got to be honest with you. I'm glad to be back in here. So it's good being on set, seeing how these things are actually made, but uh, it's also good to be back in here. So for every sort of 10 minutes of filming, do you have like 10 hours of hanging around? Is that how it works? Uh, no, actually. They were actually, they were working us really hard. I good. think uh, they, they were working us quite hard. There were there were days where, obviously, there were a lot of people. So you would show up in the morning, you would get your costume all suited up. And because they, sometimes they had about 300 people to put into costume, it took a while to actually get... So it would take a while to get 300 people into costume. So you sit around for maybe about two hours. Then after that, you could be on set just standing around, waiting to do your thing for about nine hours straight. And with a break for lunch, with a break for like... With breaks every now and then for coffee. But besides that, it was it was pretty much... Yeah, full on, full on stuff. A working day. Wow, so, yeah, sounds exciting. Good. Yeah, Sean, I, I gave you the details for that, didn't you I? You did, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I would recommend doing it. I think you, I think you would absolutely love it. <laughs> I think you absolutely love. it. I bet it. you meet some great people, don't you, as well? You, you meet all sorts of people. You meet also, the, and then you have all sorts of discussions with people. There was one, but okay, because I think being on set of something like this, Elizabethan, and so a lot of the women who are there are wearing corsets because obviously that's what they wore in that time. They yeah, all wore yeah. corsets. And it has cemented in my mind the cemented in my a notion I've had for a while, which is that women's fashion was made by men. That it was it was developed and designed by men. <laughs> yes. Because you're, you're standing around with all these women wearing corsets, doing what corsets do. And there was one particular lady who was quite blessed, shall we say, okay. in her department. And you start chatting to her and everything like that. And... I just, You've I was, got to keep your eyes. Look at just look at her in the face, Tosin. Yeah, yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> pretty much. I, I got a lot of... I, there was, this was a massive exercise in self-control. I got, I got a lot of ex- experience just looking at somebody in the face. In the face, yeah. And Do not was, blink or I was even... Like, I was like, look in the face. It's right there on the periphery of my vision, but keep looking look at the face. face. Yeah. And yeah. so you ask people and like they're like, oh, yeah, 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 because they brought this costume and everything like that. And because I'm a stripper and everything like that. And I was like, hello. Okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> and so like you know, someone tells you you start to speak to people who says like this one's a stripper. Spoke to oh, there's a guy who I met who I am going to go and make a. I'm going to interview him on film because he is actually a, a director photographer. Well, he's a cinematographer and also a camera operator. And you know The Shining. Yes. You know the steady cam shots where you're following the boy as he's cycling his tricycle. Yeah. He did those shots. Wow. Golly. He was yeah, he was the guy holding the camera for that and he is the o- he's one of the only people. I think he might be the only person to have worked on every single Bond film. Wow. So he's been on set. That's that's every... Franz, he's been you need to yes, get him on. Yeah, so I'm, I'm going to something. I think like for in time for the next Bond movie to come out, I'm going to sit down, film him and I'm going to say, "Tell us tell us what you remember about Dr. No." And then we're going to go through every single Heather. Bond film. And actually, <laughs> every single Bond film, of, because he, I've got his number and everything like that. So he was, he was pretty interesting. But you do meet, you do meet all sorts. And it's, it's quite interesting, especially quite an pe- experience. Yeah, yeah, real experience. Do you have to make, I guess you have to make your own way to the set or wherever they're filming, do you? Yeah, you have to make your own way to the set. Yeah, you have to make your own way to the set. You get, um, you, well, with this one, you go for 16 quid per day for your yeah. travel. Which okay. is better than a lot of them, where they just don't pay you anything. anything yeah. And because you go into overtime, you actually get paid double what you thought you were going to get paid. Oh, wow. nice! Not yeah. bad earner then. Not a, it was not a bad earner at all. I think a lot of people were sort of like, you know, were like, oh man, I hope I get another day. I hope I get another day. Yeah. Because they let you know like the day before if you need it for the next day, and so it's, uh, it's pretty cool, pretty cool. Any, anyway, 
Let's move <laughs> on. Yeah, times. That's it. You've had you've had some great times by oh, yeah. the sound of it. Yeah, it, it has been a lot of fun. It has been a lot Brilliant. of fun. Now, yeah. unfortunately, because something has gone wrong technically here, we are not going to have any music on the show today, which is, I guess, good for the podcast because it means that we don't have to cut anything out and we don't have a chance of getting sued. But it's also a bit sad because there were some good tracks that were going to get played. But anyway, um, let's well. Let's carry on. Sharon, would you please talk the good people through the format of our show? What do we usually do? Yes, we our format, those of you who've heard us before, is that we have a classic film, a film that beyond any question is a corker and we, it, we know and we love it. And we're bearing in mind all our films are pre-1980. And then we have a hidden gem. And now the hidden gems are those films that maybe don't make a big splash at the cinema or they have just not very, had very well-known sort of machine around them. But they're the films that come and go, but are, are cracking. They want the films that films that deserve a second look, and we want to sort of revive them in people's minds or to introduce them to people who've never heard of them before. And then we have an exception to the rule, and those are films that are made after 1980, but are still well worth a look, and we still think they maintain those values that we so enjoy in they don't make them like they used to. Cool, cool, cool. And to add, the patient choice. And patient oh, choice. Yeah, we <laughs> Not forgetting choice. Alveston. Alveston. Oh, Alveston. Alveston. Yes, Alveston, a patient choice. <laughs> so, yeah, today I spoke to a lady called Joyce, Joyce O'Mara, um, who is, I guess, visiting the island from Cardiff and unfortunately has ended up in the hospital. Um, yeah, but she uh, had, a, had a good chat over her about the first film she saw and also a favorite film. Unfortunately, due to some technological snafu we will not be able to hear that today but we'll add it into the podcast i promise you joyce um right so first up this week is the phantom movie that i mentioned in the intro sean did you pick this film i didn't pick this film no sharon did you pick this film no and i didn't pick it but anyway here it is on our list I, th- I think this might have been a film that somebody wrote into us about, but I can't actually track down who did it. Should we say it's Tib? I think it might be Tib. We'll just blame it on him. I think, yeah, we'll blame Tib. We'll blame Tib. But if you're listening to this and you picked this film and we haven't given you the proper credit, please let us know because this is really baffling us as how this film ended up on our list. And anything that's strange, so we call that Tib. <laughs> yes, yeah, like, we do. Like Alan Smithy for directors. If something weird happens with the show, because it's actually it's a friend of mine, Tib. Yeah, Tib. Who, yeah. Yeah, who, who wrote it with a, a whole list of films, some of which we had never heard of. And, yeah, we just blame him. If anything goes, it's like, oh, Tib, Tib the Phantom, Phantom Tib. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the film, the, the movie in question is the 1938 Alfred Hitchcock movie, The Lady Vanishes. Usually at this point, I'll play you the wonderful uh, theme from The Lady Vanishes. However, for some reason, the computer says no. So we will just talk about it. The Lady Vanishes. So, Sean, you... <sighs> You and this is a film that I originally thought you chose, and you said that it couldn't have been you because you're not that hot on Hitchcock. I'm not that hot on Hitchcock, no, much to Joe's chagrin. But um, <laughs> yeah, I'm. Um, I I think I probably have seen this movie sometime, probably on TV, you know, maybe a, a Saturday. But it's not one I'd particularly go out of my way to see. And and I'll be totally honest, I can't really remember if I have seen it or not. <laughs> so. okay, yeah, and the thing is, I actually went and watched this film. Oh, I mean, right. Yeah, okay. I, I, went, I went and watched this film because I thought, okay, um, I, I thought, okay, in my head, I was thinking, okay, Sean chose this film. Let's go watch this one so we can have a good conversation about it. Turns <laughs> out you didn't watch it. So I watched it anyway. Uh, Sharon, do you know this film? Yes, I know this film. Okay. 
I well, like this film. Well, okay, you like this film. Yeah. Okay, so can you set the scene for the first in this film? What is the how? What does this film open up on? What is it all about? What is the synopsis? The story. Well, this is one of those sort of subgenres of films that's set on trains. Okay. But yeah. it's not an Agatha Christie film. But it is a mystery. It's set in the na- late 1930s, so after the Einschluss, after the rise of sort of Nazi Germany. Yep. But before the beginning of hostilities. So we're in that difficult period where people are looking towards Germany thinking, yeah, we don't like this guy, but we haven't got anything concrete to say he's done this yet. So it's in that period of suspicion before the Second World War. Yeah. And in all these times of suspicion, you've got the spies are out and the spies are about. And so this is a tale of espionage where you you feel that there's this British agent is on the train and they have to get some information back to London. And it's sort of being intercepted by, by the German counter espionage people. But what the base premise is, is this lady is travelling back to Britain via sort of Germany and France and she gets into conversation with this old this sweet old lady who's travelling with her and she has a nice time with her and they exchange all sorts of pleasantries and they get to know each other quite well and then she leaves her the carriage she's travelling in and then she comes back to it and the lady has gone and then when she asks other people in the carriage oh where's the lady gone they none of them remember seeing her or all of them deny that ever saw this lady on the train and then she speaks to another fellow Englishman who's travelling on the same train Michael Redgrave our hero and said you know this lady she's gone Miss I can't remember her name is Miss what's her name that'll do Miss what's her name she's gone <laughs> <laughs> and so they then start to try to unravel the puzzle as to what happened how did the lady vanish yeah hence the title hey hence the title of the... oh yeah and then, throughout, and then along the train, they encounter all these other people travelling on the train. Some of them suspicious, some of them innocuous, some of them comic, some of them sinister. Oh, something's gone ding. <laughs> and they, they, yeah, they try to unravel the mystery of what's happened. Yeah. And, yeah, they just meet all these different characters along the way. Okay, yeah, the, that's, that's pretty good size because the funny thing about this film is I remember watching it and for the first 20 minutes I was thinking, what is this? Because the first 20 minutes are pretty much a romantic comedy. The first because it kicks off and you're essentially in this. I think it's in Austria. I think it, it kicks off in somewhere. Right. It looks like the Alps. It's snowy and there's mountains. And for me, that's just shorthand that's for Austria. the Alps. Yeah. That's short for the Alps, Austria. And so it kicks off there. And because it, they're all snowed in, they can't get the train to go back across Europe to get back to London. So you have all these people stuck in this thing. And then there's this whole sort of like comic thing about who gets to have what room and how many people are going to be in the room. And then there's these two gentlemen who are really, really concerned, like, you know, oh, we've got to get back, we've got to get back. Yeah. And then you, you find out that they that they have this big appointment and this is because they're trying to get to Manchester to see the crickets because, <laughs> because England are playing Australia or something. And they're just sort of like so focused on like what you're seeing the crickets. They end up in a room that's actually the maid's room and then the maid has to come in and get changed and there's the, it becomes like a comedy of manners. All this, yeah, <laughs> yeah hilarity becomes, ensues. Yeah, it becomes this comedy of manners when they're like, oh, because the, the maid doesn't speak English, but she's really, really cheerful and it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, come in. <laughs> Yeah. comes and grabs a dress and, like, and you think okay what is this thing going on and you get all these different things and you meet the Michael Redgrave character who well you meet the Margaret Lo- the Margaret Lockwood character yeah she's who, a lovely young lady yeah she's she seems to be like um she's part of a traveling troupe like a singing troupe with three with two other ladies or something like that and she's going back to London because she's going to get married guess what's going to happen there <laughs> <laughs> 
then she meets Michael Redgrave. He's quite bullish and everything like that, and he sort of like comes in and because she stopped, he's like a composer and all that, and so they they ends up this they have this meet cute, and then they, the next day they all get up on the train, and then pretty much everything that happened up to there kind of gets forgotten. Yes, and then it goes and into, it's all into this mystery mode, and then it goes straight to this mystery mode. And the name of the lady is Miss Froy. Miss Froy. I'd forgotten it's well yeah. known. Is it Miss Froy? Yeah, Miss Froy. And I think that the, the, there's. There's a lot of things about this film that it films almost a bit like if you had a James Bond movie. So if you had a James Bond movie, only that James Bond was a nice old sort of like 70 something lady and wasn't in the film for that much of it. <laughs> and it was a, and it feel it has that sort of like film of espionage about it. I feel that I feel like this film originated a lot of things that I've seen in later films. Yes. Like, you know, the whole thing about somebody going missing on a small, in a, in a small thing. Like, I know there was a film called Flight Plan. Yeah, where they go missing on a plane and then everyone says, no, they weren't on the plane. Yeah, everybody yes, goes, they no, were. we never saw her. There wasn't anybody on the plane. <laughs> and so, and then the main characters wandering around for a large part of it, wondering, am I crazy? Did I imagine it? But, and I think the way in which the mystery is done, it sort of takes you to go, well... The first 20 minutes of the film were kind of like they threw that away. So maybe this is like, you know, maybe she wasn't here. Maybe it was all in the woman's mind. And then they have little bits where I think Hitchcock excels at this, where he takes you one path and you begin to think, okay, maybe she's crazy. Then something happens and you're like, oh my God, she isn't crazy. She isn't crazy, yeah. Like there's there's a bit where... It really was an old lady. Yeah. No, well, there's a bit where Miss... And I think in the way that in which they do it, it doesn't seem contrived. It seems like it actually makes sense in the world because there's a bit where she says Miss Freud and Miss Freud is trying to explain... Uh, how to spell her name and goes yes Froy and then she breathes on the glass and in the mist she writes her name so writes her name Froy and so when after after this whole thing where she goes around and everybody's like no we didn't see any old lady we don't know uh, the two men who are worried about the cricket they say they didn't see any old lady even though they did see the old lady and their whole thing is like because if she is actually missing they're going to stop the train then we're not going to get back home for the cricket yeah. so so it's all this crazy stuff and, and, and so it also like conspires but then there's a bit where they go through uh, she sits in the same seat where she was sitting with Miss Freud they go through a tunnel and she looks at the glass and sees and sees, and sees see, it written in the glass and sees it written mm. in the glass so she was like I have seen this film yeah I have seen this film it comes back to you doesn't it it does come back yeah I've yeah. definitely seen this film yeah and, and so and when that and so when that happens she's like no 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 this is the and it's and I just I think I think it's a very well put together film I think it's a very well put together I think the end kind of goes a bit weird because they go down some the they go down some track and then the end ends up being this ma- massive shootout that doesn't really come to anything and, and it's just, and I'll tell you the the influence of this film I think goes all the way into films even like did you guys ever see snakes on a plane? Yeah, <laughs> snakes on a plane. Yeah. So you know snakes on a plane. You know how um, they sort of play with the tropes of this sort of things. Like you know it's like okay, film set on a train, film set on a plane. Yeah. They play with the tropes. So the first bit you're you're getting to meet all these different characters and they they set what these characters are like, what these characters are actually. Uh, here are the newlyweds. Here are the this. Here are the that. And I think that it owes a snakes on a plane owes a debt to this film it's almost kind of like a homage in some way only with snakes uh, and, and it's so uh, so because you meet all these different characters and you you almost sort of play okay guess who's going to get the comeuppance like there's the guy who's obviously having an affair because he's traveling with somebody who is not his wife yes. and uh, mm. there's yeah there's the guys who want to get to the cricket there's uh, and I, I just think it's like just it's a very well put together film i think that the performances are good i think the chemistry between michael redgrave and margaret lockwood is really really cool and the lady, I think, was it Dame May Whitty? Dame May Whitty, yeah, yes. Who plays Miss Froy? I, I think she's she's lovely. She's a kind of person who she comes across just as kind of like almost like a governess, a bit Mary Poppins. Then when it turns around, and you sort of realize that oh my gosh, she's a spy. 
and there's this there's this one scene where she essentially goes, well, um, everybody, good luck. If you get to London, look me up. And then she legs it and leaves yeah. them on the train. She leaves them up to it. <laughs> and, uh, uh, so I really enjoyed the film. And I was going to say thank you, Sean, for recommending it. Well, but... that's... <laughs> <laughs> so thank you, Phantom. Phantom, yeah. Phantom Tib. Phantom Tib. Phantom Tib yeah. for recommending this film. It's it's a good film. I And I would actually recommend that you go that you go watch it. We must be running out of Hitchcock films, though, to talk about now, mustn't we? No, there's loads we still haven't touched. Are there? Oh, okay. There's loads we... we there. You're a Hitchcock fan, then? I do like Hitchcock, yeah. yeah, yeah. Sometimes yeah. I look at them and I think, I hadn't didn't realise that was Hitchcock. You know, when you when we were yeah. talking about this one mm-hmm. beforehand, I hadn't twigged that it I'm, was Hitchcock. I'm assuming it's been remade a couple of times. Oh, it? they it did a recent been. television yeah. one only about two years ago, but they never quite capture the magic of it, do they? Yeah. A, 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 there's a film on a train, I don't know if it's this one, but there's a, there's a film on a train, old film that I remember watching, black and white one, with, with Margaret Rutherford. But I think that's an I got this one muddled up with because I yeah, said to you, was it Margaret Rutherford in it? Yeah, as yeah. Miss Freud. As Miss Freud, yeah. But there, is, there must be one very there must similar. Be a black and white one, but I'm not sure what it's called. But there's one, and it's definitely the same. I mean, because Margaret Rutherford was like most people's Miss Marple. Marple, yeah. Mm. She was, like she was a classic Miss Marple. Yeah, but Sean, what were you saying about the film? About the film? Yeah, you were saying like the film in Margaret Rutherford. You were, you were about to say Yeah, something. it was on a train. I, I remember it being on a train and. and I'm pretty sure it was the same sort of thing, but I just remember Margaret Rutherford being a black and white film. Margaret Rutherford on this train, and but it's not the old an old lady that vanishes. It's I, I think it must be. We'll have to look that up. I, I'll I'll try and find that. Mar- I'll put in Margaret Rutherford and okay. see. So, check check a filmography. Yeah, see, yeah. see what she did. See, see what she did. Yeah, but she's like you, t- you know what I mean, don't you? Yes, I know. Yeah, she's yeah. very. Like, charming lady charming lady yeah well, well to be honest with you i think uh, as you said it is a really sort of interesting sub-genre of movies of film set on trains because while i was watching this there were bits where i thought i think i've seen this before but i hadn't i definitely hadn't seen this film before and talking about james bond i mean you we talk about the like you know the the bond scenes on trains like in from russia with love and even in the recent bond movie specter there's bits of it that i think the, the inspector there's a fight scene that happens in a carriage that mm. when there I, is yeah. with robert shaw yeah, yeah. yeah. well no, no, inspector so, oh inspector oh yeah. inspector well that is basically that's from russia with love yeah, that's it's, a yeah. homage to yeah it's a homage the, the fight with um robert shaw in in sorry that's exactly what as soon as you said that i thought yeah <laughs> yeah because that's over the years it's funny my, my james bond favorite films have sort of flipped and flopped but yeah um i think from russia with love is is Probably my favourite now because it is more. Because you of always a, liked on Her Majesty's, didn't you? I liked on Her Majesty's, but I, I, I actually really like on Her Majesty's. Yeah, service. but when I watched From Russia with Love again quite recently, it is it's like a proper spy movie. It could actually be a, a, a film on its own, I think, not necessarily a James Bond film. Yeah, and it's just a real proper. It, yeah, you, you know, there's no major gadgets or anything like that. And, it, it was and before the, it was before they set the formula formula for of what it. Yeah. A, what a Bond film was. Yeah, I think with so, all yeah. the smirkiness. Yeah, and it, all it was. Self congratulatory sort of yeah. about the, it. Because the the formula for Bond movies really started with Goldfinger. Yeah, yeah and it's so this was the yeah. one just before Goldfinger. It was before they set that in place. So there was still a little bit of, and I think like from Russia with Love, this, that train scene. Um, definitely definitely well when i saw the lady vanishes it made me think about how they set james bond scenes on on trains and also um in respect to the final scene because it ends up in like a sort of luggage carriage that's where the final uh, this fight happens and um and there's bits in the lady vanishes where i'm like oh my god it's pretty much yeah it's pretty much the thing for Spectre. <laughs> yeah well there's i mean all the trains we spoke about northwest frontier didn't we remember yeah yeah that was a train yeah in the uh, um 
I was actually going to say... On Ryan's Express. Because you get the things that you either get them running across the top of the train or running through the carriages and ending up in the baggage car. Yeah, that always happens. And there is actually an old black and white Burt Lancaster film called The Train. Have you seen that one? No, I don't think I have. It's sort of this, during the German occupation, it's like the French French railways, yeah. And I did see a really, really... I think it ended up as a video nasty called Don't Ride on Late Night Trains. um, (laughs) Okay. That was a few years ago. I'll take that advice. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, But no, that wasn't a film to recommend. That's a title built for video nasty. It is, it is, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. That's it's, it's, it sounds like some sort of sub John Carpenter, Walter Hill, sort of like fair. Yeah, it was. I, I don't think. I think it was one of those, um, you know, sort of films that came out on the. You know, they just chucked anything out yeah. on video at that particular yeah. time. Okay, but I'll tell you what. But when uh, when I saw this film and when I actually realized that you hadn't chosen it, um, I thought that you'd like it because it made me think of North Northwest Frontier. Yeah, and I know I know that you quite yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So there's bits yeah. like the shootout is very Northwest Frontier like. But um anyway. Oh, Northwest Frontier. A film that we spoke about in another episode of Don't Know Make Like I Used to, please go to the website and see our archive. Thank hey. you. Yeah, so that website is sunshineradioiow.com. Um look search for they don't like make them like they used to, you'll find us and you have an archive in which you can listen to all the other shows that we have done. Now I think that's the uh, all the other fifty five shows that we've done because Ooh. this is show fifty six. Wow. I know. That's kind of, that's amazing, isn't it? Really? <laughs> when you think. It is it is a bit crazy. It is a bit crazy. All right, now uh we go on to our patient choice. So every week we go into our pet word Alveston and because there's no music we cannot play the theme tune for Alveston. We'll just hum it. You can sing it. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, um, yeah, and I spoke to a lady called Joyce Omara, as I said, who is here from Cardiff and unfortunately ended up in the hospital. I have the interview here, but for some reason it will not play. I do not know why it hates me. But um, Joyce spoke about two films. She said the first film she remembers seeing at the cinema was a movie called Gladiators. She cannot remember who was in it and can't remember um, anything about. She can't remember. She remembered that there were a lot of big names in it and it was a biblical epic. But besides that, she cannot remember that. But then I asked her about her favorite film of all time. And she said it was something along the lines of, oh, I remember. It's the one. It's the Christmas one. It's always on at Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> For which led me to which led me to guess It's a Wonderful Life. To which she said, yes, that one. <laughs> and now. So she chose It's a Wonderful Life. Uh, a couple of years ago, we did a Christmas... Well, I think over the course of this show, we've done two Christmas specials. And I remember there was one year in particular where we spoke to a whole bunch of people. We chose uh, some of our favorite Christmas movies ourselves. And not one of us picked up It's a Wonderful Life as a favorite Christmas movie. I remember it being. I remember thinking it was quite weird. And in my defense, I had not seen the film <laughs> by that time. Um, but I have, st- I have since seen it. And, well... Before I sort of like prattle on about what I think about it, what do you guys reckon? It's a wonderful life, good choice. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I've seen it. It's one of those. It's, it's a feel good film. It's a feel good. I'm surprised we haven't done it before. You know, we I, I'm surprised it hasn't come up. Yeah, I, I was certain it would have come up. It would be like your, you know, typical Christmas film that everybody loves. Well, I would have said I liked it, mm-hmm. but I didn't love it because of the darkness in it. Okay. And for my Christmas favorite Christmas films, you want something that sort of has a little bit of darkness, maybe, but you have that joy. And for every bit of sadness, you have that up. I don't know that Wonderful Life has this sort of amazing uplift about it, but it does get very, very dark. Well, in the, the middle. 
Well, the thing about it is, obviously, it's a wonderful... Uh, it's it's one of those things that just has classic written all over it. It's a kind of film you're not allowed to argue is not a classic or anything like that. So I had an idea in my head of what this film was before I watched it. I only watched it last year. Um, it was actually Christmas time. And my wife and I watched it for the first time. And I was I was kind of like, it isn't really a Christmas movie. No. It, it is, it, it's not... It's... Doesn't the, it end at Christmas time? Isn't it ends it? at Christmas that's the time. Last scene I think, is I think at that's Christmas. probably the one that sticks in everybody's mind is the last scene. Yeah, where he yeah. just comes back and says hello to everybody, and, and yeah. he's still, yeah. you're hugging and he's <laughs> yeah, happy. Hugging. Yeah, yeah. yeah and I think that's the funny thing about the film is that I think a lot of people forget most of the film. Mm. Mm. They forget most of the film and they just remember the last scene. And it's like to my brother George, the luckiest, the richest man in town. And I remember that everyone's like, <laughs> yeah. But then tingling the bell rings. Yeah, but it's it's yeah, and I think. Well, a lot of people don't, but I was surprised at how much not a Christmas film it is, like how much of the film is not set at Christmas, because it's pretty much following this guy, George Bailey, right from the beginning of his life and going all the way through to the point where he wants to kill himself. Yeah, it's all his broken dreams, isn't it? It's like all these things he says, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. Mm -hmm. And then something happens and he just... Doesn't he lose some... He loses some money, money, so he then pays supports the family bank and he's always dreamed of traveling and then he's en- ironically he ends up staying at home and because of a good deed it means he can't join the army like his other people in the town and yeah all these he's all these dreams and ambitions one by one seem to just get destroyed yeah uh, uh, that's that's uh, there's an episode of friends the the tv comedy show friends where they make a joke about this because phoebe um is she's kind of like the sort of hippie sort of yeah. out there didn't have a normal upbringing kind of thing so she's never seen it's a wonderful life and they tell her oh you've got to see this film it's like the best feel-good film ever and she so sort of stops watching 10 minutes before the end and thinks the film's a tragedy yeah. because she can't handle anymore because she's like just when you think it's over and things are about to get good another bad thing happens it shouldn't be called it's a wonderful it should be called it's a crappy life yeah. <laughs> and and you totally understand when you watch the film you totally understand where she's coming from because it's just about this guy who everything that you see about this George Bailey character says he's a decent person he yeah. tries to do good things he tries to help people he tries to help people in the in the town that he's at, around and everything like that and quite frankly everybody just it, from my reading of it is takes advantage of him yeah and takes him for granted yeah takes him takes advantage of him takes him for granted there's a there's a there's the character played by Lionel Barrymore Mr Potter oh he's like Mr Nasty isn't yeah, he yeah he's essentially and it's and the, I remember there was a time when because Frank Capra di- di- directed the film and at the time, people were sort of like arguing, uh, well, because there was it was, there was the whole sort of like, you know, Senator Joseph McCarthy, witch hands yeah. and the communism thing. And people said that It's a Wonderful Life pretty much bombed when it first came out in the cinemas. And it was only in later years as it was shown on TV that it became mm-hmm. a classic. And I think they reckon that there was a lot of stuff about it that was they th- essentially thought Frank Capra might be a communist and was trying to put communist messages into the film. And they thought that It's a Wonderful Life was a little bit of a communist movie. And I can see that angle on it because you have this capitalist who's trying to buy the whole town and yeah. he's trying to get everything. And there's this one person who stands up against him and then rallies everybody or rallies everybody. And there's that undercurrent too. And it. it's that people power at the end when they all sort of chip in their pounds yeah. and their, yeah. their dollars and there's the small change, is it, that they save the day. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a communist vibe. Yep, you sold. I'm sold on it. It's yep. a red. It's the red under the bed. <laughs> <laughs> the red under yeah. the bed. Get Frank Capra in here. 
we need to ask you some questions of the Senate hearing. But but the, but the thing is that with all these things in there, when you talk about all the different bits of the film, you can say, oh, it's this, oh, it's that, oh, it's that, oh, it's just bad stuff after bad stuff after bad stuff. And all these things are true, but I was shocked at how much of a emotional punch the film has by the end. Mm. And it's it's kind of like, you think, okay, all these bad things happen, all these bad things happen, all these bad things happen. So obviously there's going to be an upturn. It's going to be a feel-good film because everybody talks about it as a feel-good film. So I'm watching it thinking it's going to be a feel-good film. I know it's going to be, I know it's going to have a happy ending. But it has such an emotional resonance. And I think a lot of that might be down to James Stewart. Yeah. I think... I, I think he can play being broken like no one else, really, oh, can't yeah. he? And, and I think a lot of it also goes because the film goes so dark. Mm. Because this is a man who gets to the point where he thinks... The oh, the only way left for me to help my family is to kill myself. Mm, they're better off without yeah, me. They're better off without me. And he's and the fact that he's surrounded by people who are pretty much incompetent, like his uncle. Like, this, yeah, yeah. oh, his his uncle's such a. I, oh, good God! I wanted to punch the screen with his when his uncle showed up. I was, it's yeah, and I, and I think it's it's just that and the fact that like as he said, all his dreams. It's not even like it's they get postponed mm. every single time. Like he has a, he, it gets postponed. So he says, "Oh, I'm going to go off to university." Then his dad dies, and he has to hang back and help the thing come together. Then he has to. Then the money he was going to use to go to university, he gives it to his brother, so his brother can go. And then he wants to invest in something that his friends doing, and he can't do it because he has to use the money to actually hold up the bank and everything like that. And then the person who goes and gets makes loads of money and gets really really rich and leaves him still in the same town. And and then there's even even the bit like. Even the idea that he wants to get that he loves this woman and he wants to get married to her and everything like that, even that is twisted to being that that means he can't leave the town because yeah. And then suddenly start having more and more children. It's just like instead of being a joy, these children become like a burden. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and and I think there's there is an there's an approach because obviously it's not the thing you're supposed to say and it's not the thing that you know. I mean, Sean, I mean you you have you have a kid. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's 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 not the it's not the kind of thing you're supposed to say and um say like you know oh the the I had a child and that meant I couldn't do a whole bunch of stuff but it's the truth of the matter that like when you have children you it stops it closes off certain things that it you're... certainly does yeah <laughs> yeah it certainly closed down a lot of uh, a lot of avenues uh but my um my daughter she's uh, be eighteen this year so. That's it. I got lots of freedom then. You washed so, your hands. But no, I haven't washed my hands. So I'm still, <laughs> I'm still obviously, you know, running around or whatever. You know, get two o'clock, at, um, get a phone call at like, you know, one or two o'clock in the morning, saying, "Oh, Dad, can you come and pick me up?" <laughs> so you know, it's um, it's uh, yeah, you're still there and all the time thinking, "Oh well," you know. But at least, uh, but no, it does. It's certainly, especially in the the early years the formative years yeah. of a child's life you just you know the, your the whole your whole life changes because mm-hmm. that's that's so you've got to look after that's what you do that's when you stay in and watch your movies and yeah you know, and when they are really little it's quite I, I didn't mind getting up early to feed uh to feed owls because i could stick on the old tv and watch a watch an old movie <laughs> <and then. laughs> so that was quite good i caught a few few good good movies during the year <laughs> 
small hours of the <laughs> <laughs> my my brother does exactly the same does, thing. Yeah, yeah, because he he's got two little ones. I mean, I don't have any yet, but uh, I've looked at my friends and I've and I I realize it's going to mean life will change totally. Yeah, yes, definitely. you cannot pretend anything else. Yeah, and and it, it means that it's not all going to be lovely and sunshine. There's going to be some things that are going to seem negative about it, and I think that's one of the that's part of the power of this film that it says. Things will happen. Yeah, you get married. Hang on, you can't do that anymore. Yeah, you have kids. Isn't that wonderful? That means you have less money to go travel the world. <laughs> so it's kind of, and I feel like it's, and I think almost in the title, it's a wonderful life. It's sort of, it doesn't say it's a good life. It doesn't say it's a bad life. It doesn't say it's a great life. It doesn't say it's a sucky life. It just says it's life. It's life, yeah. yeah. And it's wonderful. And that's full of wonder as well as, you know, and wonderful things can be things that amaze us and also things that sadden us. Yeah. So wonder, uh, wonder is a... Wonder, yeah. So so I, I do think it's... I, I, I think it's a masterpiece because it manages to take something and do something that could be so cheesy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, but could, the, an angel, when you, when you start thinking, oh, this is a film about an angel, and you think, yeah, okay. Yeah, and like it takes the supernatural and puts it into the everyday and... It, it just accomplishes so much that and the, by the time the film finishes, you're just totally with it. And as <laughs> as and uh, uh, yeah, with the bell, like <laughs> every time a bell win, yeah. it rings an angel yeah. gets his wigs. Yeah. Do you I, feel it's been given a misservice then in some ways, the fact that it's been labeled as a Christmas film? I don't. Yes, uh, I, th I, th I think it's been given a misservice, but. Quite frankly, I'm fine with this film being referred to as a Christmas film if it means that more people discover it. Yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm fine with that. Uh, it's I I don't think it's a Christmas. It's not your straight up Christmas film. Father Christmas hardly shows up, and when he shows up, I think he's a drunk. Yeah. But, <laughs> but but uh, but it's it's a it's a brilliant film, and if if it's people saying Christmas classic means that more people watch it, I'm fine with that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we'll agree with that. I think yeah. I think that's it. That goes back to what we were saying straight away. It's that last scene, isn't it? Everybody, because yeah. it's all tinsel and, and yeah, and they're Christmas all, trees and bangles. He's holding and the children. And he's loving his wife. Yeah, and it's, like, and it's yeah. like yeah, you see that sort of close up of him with all his people. Yeah, yeah. Be because the truth is that it it doesn't even even the ending isn't particularly happy. It doesn't say no. life has been sorted. It says the bad stuff has been delayed for now. <laughs> when you think, yeah. when you think about it, it's and in a way. Yeah, because they they give him all this money, which means he can keep the. But he's still going to be fighting against Mister Potter. Yeah. Mister Potter is still waiting out there. Mister Potter is still trying to take over the town. So I I think it's. I think a large part about it is that it's. I think a lot of people can identify with it. Just that's just what life is like. Mm. Yeah, that it's going to have its tragedies and lost opportunities. Yeah, it's going to have its peaks and its troughs and its plateaus yes. and, its, <laughs> <laughs> and its joys as well. And its joys. Yeah. All right. They, and now, also, thank you very much for that, Joyce. I think um, you've—I uh, think we've had a lot to say about it's a wonderful life, and it's just been bubbling away. And you gave us the outlets; <laughs> you you validated it so that we could actually speak about it. Thank you very much. And now, from a Christmas movie to an Easter movie. Yay. Now, this is a film that we were going to talk about a couple of years—not oh, years, weeks ago, around about Easter time. But then stuff happened, and. <laughs> So, and it was chosen. So, Sharon, do you want to tell us who chose this film? Because this was written into the show and actually, so, yeah. Yeah, I asked a group of my pals who I go to a cinema quiz with. And I asked my whole team, what was your favourite film? And this was Kevin's choice. And I, unusually for someone who isn't 
of faith themselves, they chose a film called The Gospel According to St Matthew, which is a 1964 film by a gentleman called Pier Paolo Pasolini, which you may infer from his name is an Italian. <laughs> but unlike, um, we tend to think of Italian, obviously, the, the heart of the Roman church, but the guy who directed it, this Pier Pasolini, uh, was a Marxist, <laughs> was homosexual, and had been labelled atheist, so he didn't like that label himself because he he liked to think of himself as someone who was exploring the ideas of faith and of belief and unbelief without having a label on it. But he felt moved to write this film, the play, mm -hmm. the, the the script of this film, because he was due to meet the Pope one day. He, he was a filmmaker, and the story of how this film came to be was in 1963. He was due to meet Pope John the Twenty Third. And the traffic was so bad because of the Pope had appeared in town that he was stranded for four hours in his hotel. And he sat and read a Bible that was in the, the hotel room and he read all of the Gospels. And he felt just convinced in his heart that he wanted to make Matthew. Oh, wow. Because he thought, he had, he had he describes the others ones like, oh, this one is too secular, this one is too romantic, this one is too... Yeah, I've got the quote here. He decided that it, yeah. Gospel of John was too mystical. Mark was too vulgar and Luke was too sentimental. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the truth is, the truth is, okay, I've read all four Gospels and I see where he's coming from. Yeah. Because uh, like John, the Gospel of John, I have a friend who who describes it as the stoner's gospel. Yeah, he's... Because, <laughs> because at the beginning, they, they, they said like you read the opening lines of John and it sounds like it's somebody having a conversation while, while smoking uh, a spliff. Uh -huh. Because it's kind of like, in the beginning was the word you should you should maybe become like Pasolini and make, like, a, make a film the like, gospel according to and it's like and the word was God and the word was with God everything that was God was in the beginning man it, you can you can totally it goes round and round in circles and you're like going whoa you can totally imagine so when he says the gospel of John was too mystical I can understand totally where he's coming from yeah. <laughs> And also it keeps referring to like and the, the gospel whom Jesus loved uh, yeah, all the way through. Uh, like, I'm like so a it, disciple who Jesus loves, man. You know, it's it's, it's love. It's all about love. Gotta, but all the way through and you're thinking it. like, yeah, we get it. We get it. He loved you. We get it. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So, yeah, this was like the, so specifically, not just the gospel, but this is the gospel of Constant Matthew. Mm -hmm. And they do use, the, yeah, they use the scripture from Matthew, the the the. the, the it starts with, it's hard to describe, but it's a black and white film. It's in Italian with English subtitles. And it's a really sort of pared back version of the Gospels. There's, the lighting is quite stark. You get quite close ups of these faces. And they're not always the prettiest faces, but they're often interesting. Yeah. They've, they've got life in their faces. There's the lines, there's even the young girls are not, like these pretty plastic faces there, there's, you can see life in them. So you see Mary as like the first person you see on screen. And she's not the twee Mary. She's like a young girl of her time. She's got, you know, she's got like a... Well, I, I don't think they used actors, face. did they? I don't think they... Most of them were non-professional actors. actors yeah. yeah, students and people they'd seen. Thing, and he would see, he'd spot people and say, look, you've got a really interesting face. Yeah. You're, you're Peter. It does. Or I, you're I, I did not, so I Caiaphas. I did watch a little bit of this with with toes in it just when we came in and it's very much uh, I don't know if it's a thing of cinema westerns but it reminded me of spaghetti westerns in a way yeah, yeah. very much yeah. 
you know, lots of faces, lots of faces of children. Lots of stillness. Of moment, yeah, mm. and just, just people looking, There's a, you know, quite often. Um, it did look, I've got to say, that it did look pretty good, actually. Well, the, I was quite surprised by the few in. bits. I've not, yeah. I've not yeah. seen it, but... Yeah, I mean, I mean, the thing is, because I say usually on this show, we talk about films that we've seen and we so like, hopefully people will find out about it. And this is a bit interesting because someone recommended a film to us that none of us had seen. No. And so we had to like go find out about it. And it's really about, and uh, the thing I'm thinking is about whether reading about it, and I'm, I mean, I saw a, what Sean was talking about was a trailer. Because trailer. The, yeah, because the BFI, I was going to play some of the music from it, but um, the the BFI, they restored a print of this film and they had a trailer for it and just looking at it i was thinking this is the most interesting looking gospel yeah. of a jesus story i have ever seen yeah i was just i was just thinking this just the sh- the the trailer's about a minute long but the shots that you were talking about it has the opening shot of the movie with mm. the, the shot of mary's face of all these children raising up their hands of jesus yeah, like the whole palm sunday thing where you see yeah. them waving these palm branches and they're real palm branches that yeah. they're waving and, and, and a jesus who looks who looks possibly more like jesus would actually have looked yeah. than the blonde hair blue-eyed kind of westernized yeah, version nighty. of it yeah it's yeah. none of that curly blonde hair and the white nighty exactly and this is especially <laughs> especially a jesus with a monobrow this oh <laughs> yes it definitely does a massive monobrow <laughs> and i was just thinking I really, really want to see this film. Yeah. Because it, as like, as Sean, I, I mean, I love what you said about the spaghetti westerns. But I, I didn't make that connection to you. Just, I was like, that's it. That, that is what yes. it looks like. Because even the opening shot of the film looks like a face-off. Because you have Mary. Then you have Joseph. Then you have a guy who I'm guessing is Joseph. It's Joseph, yeah, yeah. yeah. Then you have Joseph. And then they're standing. And they have this shot where they're standing apart from each other. And you just see her face, first of all. Then the yeah. camera pulls back. And you see that she's she has a bump. heavy with child. Yeah. <laughs> so it's... But that's that's. And then you you can see him looking at her, going like, "What the hell?" (laughs) And then he storms off. Yeah, I know, and it does it with no words. Nothing. Not you. You get what's going on, right? I, I. This might be the most artistic version. Yeah. Because the first speech you hear is the angel speaking to to Joseph, saying, "Don't put her aside. Basically, take her to be your wife, because you know what she's carrying is not." Another man's child, it's the child of God. Yeah. And then he's sort of going, oh, that's okay then. And then he goes back. <laughs> and then he doesn't say, oh, it's okay, oh, God's told me it's okay. As you would find, they would dramatise it. He just looks at her and smiles. Yeah, Haven't had his face off. Yeah. Then she smiles back, but not a great grin. It's yeah. just like her, only out of the corners of her mouth, just lift up. And she's got like this sort of serene expression. And that's yeah. the whole story told in two, two expressions. Sean, you were going to say something. I was, yeah, um, but I've forgotten what I was. But I've, I've, I did find something interesting. You're saying about Pasolini, and um, you'd be interested in this. Um, in the 60s, he travelled to Sudan, Kenya, Ghana, Nigeria, Guinea, um, Jordan and Israel. And in 1970, he travelled to Africa, shoot a documentary. Are you any good at speaking Italian? A punti per un crescidad africana. So... That might be worth something to check. Okay, out. yeah, that that would be interesting to see. Yeah, that would be interesting to see. Like, wait, wait, because I quite I liked the sort of it, because obviously there's a film movement. Like, how you have the French New yeah. Wave and you had Italian yeah. neorealism, and this is kind of like an Italian neorealistic take because they usually wouldn't use actors. They would. They usually wouldn't like you know. They wouldn't try and dramatize absolutely everything. They'll take the time yeah. to put you into a thing. They were lot like they'll try and tell you a lot of stuff using view like you no know, just like you know looks and all that kind of stuff yeah and i think that's what it looks like this film's doing from the little i've seen of it and it makes me i'm like oh my god i really want to see this film yeah there's some extraordinary scenes in it yeah you see him tempted in the wilderness mm-hmm. um by this 
Satan who appears physically, you see this man who is does all the tempting, and then you see, and there's other scenes where you see like Jesus being baptized by John. Um, I thought that I must admit the only thing about the baptism is like he used like a handful of water, and I'm not like get in there, <coughs> get in the water. <laughs> I'm from the full immersion school of baptism, so I'm like you know more water the better. <laughs> a handful is not going to do it, but it's a very kind of moving scene where he's you know. He meets him, and then again a bit. There's a, some of the miracles you see where he's like walking on the water across the lake, and you see the disciples are terrified that they can see this tiny figure, and it takes a long time to play out. You see the figure of Jesus getting bigger and bigger and bigger, but it's minutes on screen, not just a couple of. You can see him mm. walking close, and the disciples just going, "What is just happening?" Well, you know, but really I think extraordinary. Now that when you explained that um, he wasn't actually a Christian, I actually. I think that that freed him up a bit. Yes. I think it freed him up from not being too yeah, slavish. Yeah, because I, yeah, you know, I mean, yeah, yeah. Not being too slavish to what people expect a story about Jesus to be. Yeah. Because he, he essentially, he's stuck directly to the text because in his words, he says, images could never read the poetic height of the text. So all the, all the dialogue in the film is taken directly from mm. the gospel of Matthew. And hence the, hence the, t- the title of the film. And so he he was really really faithful to it, but he's a, he's approached it in such a way that it's I think this. Mm. Could well, I yeah. could I just argue with the gospels because I don't know that much about mm-hmm. them? But are they all are they all different views of what happened or? They... Slightly, you see the same events from someone else's okay. point of view. So right. you, you, they are sometimes they're just a little bit different. But yeah. right. some stories are missing from all the gospels. But is it the same story from the? It's pretty. It's, yes, it's yeah. pretty, pretty much, much the same, same story, one, but just from because, different points of view. Yeah, yeah they're yeah. they're written by they're written by different people from different points of view. So people right. who were around when that happened. So the the good thing and the the thing about it is that you, they they say things like the Gospel of Matthew was the one that was written to for Jewish people, right. and the one for like Mark was written for somebody else. The Gospel of Luke is the one with the most detail in it because the guy who wrote it was a doctor. Yeah, uh-huh. and so, so he was interested in. The, so he the was interested detail. in all the details. So if you, so when it comes to like who was the who was the governor of a place at this time, he's like, okay, nobody else wrote this, but we need to know that this guy was a governor of this place at this time. The Gospel of John, the they refer to that 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 focuses on Jesus the man. So it's written by John, who was Jesus' cousin, and essentially was close to him on everything. And so he writes in as he's as we said in a very sort of trippy personal he's not yeah. particularly concerned about dates and times no, or anything no, like that it's, it's sort of a more emotional yeah. yeah it's yeah it's it's more it's more emotional it's and, and mystical and all that kind of stuff so um i think uh, so this this film's like just exactly like the or yeah. gospel of just, matthew yeah, yeah gospel of matthew gospel yeah, of, and it, and he he says that he he goes he approaches it more like showing jesus as uh somebody who was moved by social justice or like you know, like cool. social injustice mm. almost kind of like like you know, a uh, revolutionary leader, which he was. Like, like yeah. Marx. But because when <laughs> yeah, and they're not Lenin. afraid to use like stillness or silence in the film as well. They let the silence speak for itself, and then occasionally they have like the heavenly music that comes in. But it's sort of well placed, if you if you mm. know what I mean. Because sometimes you see these biblical epics and you think, well, this heavenly choir must just be following them around all over the place, <laughs> <laughs> because all you can hear is just like this oh, in the background. <laughs> and, and, and I think I think another another thing about it um, is also the use of music, yes. because the use of music is very eclectic. It uses all sorts of stuff. Um, like even the I was surprised when I saw the trailer. It has a Billy Holiday song in it. Yeah. It has, and I was like, why is there Billy? And apparently, that's actually a song that's in the film. So it uses modern music. It uses Johannes Sebastian. Yeah, you Bach. hear like a folk song in one point, like a local folk song. 
Yeah, and soft uh, music. That's, yeah. that's 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 interesting then. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it did look from from because I mean, I don't mind. I mean, I. It's quite I long. I think to, it's two and a half hours yeah, long. Yeah, I, I, I quite like the look from mm. from the trailer. That we I, I really at. like. I, the I look. sort of, I, you know. Maybe it's a spaghetti western. I think it's one of those ones you have to like, relax into. Yeah. I think yeah. it's one of those ones that once you're into it, it will grab you, but you have to relax and think, this is going to tell its story in its own pace and its yeah, own yeah. time, and you've just got to let it... But I, I, I quite like that imagery. I quite like the imagery of faces. I, I love the I mean, yeah. I mean, when you see people's you know, faces and, and the camera stays on them for a little while, I think it says so much. Yeah. You know. What I thought well, was interesting about all the disciples, hardly any of them are bearded. In most biblical things you see they're all like the bearded that disciple one disciple two they're yeah. all interchangeable and these have all got really interesting faces all the and he names all of them he like goes ah oh, thaddeus ah oh, bartholomew ah right. oh, simon ah oh, judas iscariot ah oh. and they all of them are named and then they have their moment on camera yeah and i thought that was just mm. a really interesting use of the fact they haven't gone through the stereotypes or the the easy options they've each of them got well, these really interesting faces well i think um this is this because this section is as sharon said earlier a hidden Gem. This is definitely, I think, a hidden gem because yeah. I'd never think, heard of yeah, it. Yeah, no, I've never heard. Of I'd it, never so. heard of it, and uh, and also, I think this is the most we've spoken about a film that none of us have really seen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> it, so well done, Kevin, and well yeah. done, Pier Paolo Pasolini. Uh, he's got an awesome name. I wonder whether he actually has the alliteration from birth, or whether he just did that for, for showbiz. <laughs> Either way, it's an awesome name. I mean, he is. A, he is a. Uh, you know, he's a tour de force in the cinematic industry, isn't he? I mean, loads of people, if you look at history of film or people who study film, it's always Pasolini. Well, I've heard his name a lot. Yeah, yeah, I haven't yeah. really seen anything he's done. No, no, I haven't really seen any of his stuff. Yeah. No, I think it's all similar stuff, you know. So Cool. That'd be interesting. Yeah. Right. Uh, so, and now we, even though we still haven't seen this one, I still love to talk about this one for ages. Yeah, 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 but... it's quite good, actually. I'll tell you what always makes me laugh, though, I know, just on a funny note, was, yeah. was when you said an entourage following him with the music. <laughs> Anytime anybody says, oh, an entourage following someone, I always think, and I'm sorry, is um, uh, the Holy Grail, Monty Python, the Holy Grail, yeah, yeah, with yeah. all people following him, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's where they get it from, though, because yeah, every yeah, single biblical epic ever it made have got this heavenly <laughs> choir singing in the background. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember hearing somebody speak about it, and he was trying to talk about the fact that Jesus was a human, was a, actually a human being. Yeah. Jesus wasn't some like you know, was wasn't some guy who walked around and he said smart stuff, and someone's following him around, writing it down. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, it's it's as I like seeing depictions of Jesus. Like there was a film, it was a stop motion animation called The Miracle Maker, yes. which was one of the first films I'd ever seen in which Jesus smiles. He doesn't smile in, in this. He doesn't smile in Pasolini's. He's not uh, a smiley Jesus. He, yeah, he's too. He's too much of a too much of a revolutionary. But yeah. he does in a film we might talk about later. Which he does. Yeah, he's very smiley in that one. Okay, cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Ooh, ooh, true. Look at that. Look at that teaser. But one but, tiny more word. Just one final word to say about Pasolini. <laughs> the film that won't let us <laughs> stop talking us about go. it. In 2015, it, the Vatican did say it was the best film about the life of Jesus they think has ever been made. Wow. Yeah. So I'll leave it there. Yeah. Whatever you... Uh, anyway. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> okay, let's move on. Let's move on. <laughs> okay, Gospel of God and St. Matthew, we're kicking you to the curb because we need to move on. You're a great film. Um, so, Sean, on to the final bit of the show called The Exception to the Rule. Would you like to tell us what The Exception to the Rule is today? I would like to tell you what The Exception to the Rule is. Now, this film, it, it reminds me of an old epic in the style of, um, you know, Lawrence of Arabia. Um, it's a fairly recent film. Um, 2005 called Kingdom of Heaven, mm. which I guess is quite quite apt. Orlando Bloom. I've Have seen you guys it. seen it? Yeah. Yeah, I've seen it. 
terrific epic movie, I think. Uh, you know, terrific battle scenes, uh, which obviously I like. Um, great shots of landscape. You know, just a real old-fashioned, terrific movie, I think. What's you know. it about? Okay, basically it's about um, the Siege of Jerusalem. And um, I'm sure most people have seen this anyway, because it must be a thing. And it's going to hold out against, you've got Saladin, and it's going to hold out Jerusalem against the hordes of Saladin, the Muslim hordes, which mm. are, are trying to besiege the city. Yep. I mean, there's some other stuff that goes on, but basically that's it's what it's crusade. all about. Yeah, it's the Crusades. And um, yeah, it's uh, there, there's lots of good stars in it. You know, you've got um, Jeremy Irons. Uh, Jeremy oh. Is he? Yeah, I think Jeremy Irons is in yes. it, isn't he? Eva Green, Orlando Bloom, uh, Liam Nielsen. Liam, Liam, Liam Nielsen, isn't it? Liam Nielsen. Edward Norton. Edward Norton's in it. You don't see him either. though, do you? No, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, basically it's a nice sweeping epic, um, which you can get lost in. And I think the guy's name's Balian, yeah? Balian. Yeah, and Balian, the, the character the, played the by character Orlando played Bloom. Orlando Bloom, yeah. who basically has to defend the city because... He's the only one left. Everyone else goes away. So he, he galvanises the city together. And there's a terrific siege at the end, which I love. I mean, I love siege films. I, I really loved um, Helm's Deep in Lord of the Rings. As I say, I'm into the big action-y films rather than the, you know, story films. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I just have to say it's really, really great film. So, did you see it um, at the cinema? Did I you did, see it? yeah, I did see it at the cinema. Because there's two versions of there the is, film. There is, yeah. I, I didn't see the director's cut, and I haven't seen the director's cut. Yeah, because uh, yeah, I, I think this is a film that suffered a little bit, because it's directed by Ridley Scott. Ridley Scott, yeah. And this is his follow-up to Gladiator. Hmm. And Gladiator was kind of this big, worldwide, everybody loved it, you know, won awards, Russell won, uh, won the Best Actor Award at the Oscars for it. And the Kingdom of Heaven came along and people kind of thought, whoa, swords and sandals, it's Gladiator Part 2. <laughs> and it isn't Gladiator no, Part 2. it isn't Gladiator Part 2. Because it kicks off with like uh, with Orlando Bloom as Valiant and I think it kicks off because his wife and his kid die. And he's he's like never known who his dad is because his dad was like a traveling soldier who, who crosses his mum as he goes through. And then his dad comes back and played by Liam Neeson and says, come with me, boy, we're going to go... Jerusalem. We're going to go to fight on the cru crusade. Yeah. We're going to go on crusade, crusade and yeah. it trains him up on how to be a soldier and all that. And it's it's a slower film than Gladiator. It isn't. I mean, I know you say you don't really like story movies. You like more, but this is actually a more of a story movie than Gladiator is. Uh, I, I don't know. There's a couple of big battles in it. There's, there's there's the one where they all march out to fight the army, don't they? And, mm -hmm. and Saladin draws them on, draws mm -hmm. them on, draws them on until there's like the the major battle scene. Where but Balian goes on quite a journey through the film. doesn't He does. He, so he does go on a journey. That's the story. I think is that his journey from like a simple man who lived with his wife and child. It was to, like a blacksmith. Being on crusade to being in these... simple man. And... Yeah, and he goes back to his... <laughs> he wants to go back to... And then someone yeah. turns up and says, he goes, no, no, I'm just a blacksmith. <laughs> yeah, he wants to go back. He goes, So he has quite a journey through it. So, But he sees these, these world-changing events, doesn't he? So he goes from like a small village in France, is it, to into the heart of the Holy Land at the time when the... Sort of the Muslim faith is at its sort of in its infancy almost, but it's full of passion to reclaim their holy land. And then all the Christians are there going, "No, they're ours!" And so they have this real battle of 
You know, at the, at the beginning, when you start, the bits of that description sounded like Star Wars. You're like, it's a simple guy who's just there, and then he gets drawn into this thing of wild, worldwide significance. I'm like thinking, hang on, that's Star Wars. Does that Luke Skywalker? <laughs> like, no, and but he finds out his dad, he never knew his dad. Exactly. He never, oh I my. am your father. Oh my God, Kingdom <laughs> of Heaven is Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> a remake of Star Battles Wars. Battles of Empires. <laughs> well, the thing is, uh, I think of... Yeah, oh, because I remember seeing it in the cinema and thinking, first of all, this is quite different from Gladiator, but really, really liking it. And there's one particular shot that stays with me. It's a bit where... They, it's it's in the siege. And it's um it's a bit where the guys attacking the uh, Jerusalem might to break through the wall. And then they have like this this section of the wall falls down and then and then there's a there's a there's a sort of like overhead sort of straight down shots where the camera pans up and you see that there's this sort of bottleneck as everybody is coming into this bottleneck where you have the guys trying to get into the city and the guys in the city trying to keep them out and they're just killing each other in this breach and there's these dead bodies are falling Mm -hmm. and they're just clambering over the dead bodies and i was just thinking this isn't choreographed this isn't neat this is just carnage and I, and I remember thinking that, that that just stuck in my mind, thinking this it's just carnage. What it's just carnage. It's not. Yeah, it's a good shot. I know it, the shot you're you're, yeah. you're talking about. And and I, I thought it was good, but I mean, I, I know people said well because of the length and everything like that, and I think the studio they were expecting Gladiator Part Two, so they tried to cut it and try to make a release cut, cut it to be a bit more Gladiator esque. But I, then instead they have a, a director's cut, which everybody says is awesome. And it's like yeah, yeah, the yeah. director's cut. You should check that. But I mean, I mean, I think I like all those films that, but people don't seem to like them. I like, I really like Troy. I really yeah, like Alexander. I thought was, I mean, that got panned, but Alexander was just such a terrific movie. Mm. It was, I mean, I guess it's just on that old, you mm. know, big cinemascope scale, which is probably, you know, you know, to actually watch those those type of films at the cinema. That's well, what, what they were made for for cinema yeah. really well it's like the know. kind of films you'd imagine Charlton Heston would have yeah, been exactly. in his yeah, yeah exactly yeah exactly that, that's the type of film that's why I think they're an exception to the rule because they are great epics you know <coughs> so it's it's you know nice wide angled shots and long shots and there's a scene I particularly remember from watching it is when the armies are assembling and it's led by the king of Jerusalem and because he's got leprosy he's got this mask, mask on, on. Oh, yeah. and you see him riding it and the sun is just like catches this mask and it makes him almost like he's some sort of angel, doesn't angel, it? Angel, it does, yeah. And then leading their sort of bat, their army. Because he wants, I mean, basically, he wants peace, doesn't he? At the end. Yeah, he's, he's tired. He's, very, he's, he's ill, he's, he's tired, tired. And he, he wants he's, peace. He's not interested, and mm. you've got the, uh, always the bad one, isn't there? They go, oh, no, we got to sort this out. Let's go on a march. Yeah. And I, I, I like that bit at the end where all the different knights' orders are, because, you know, all the different the orders are, yeah. The, the hospital and knights' hospitalers, yeah. And, and it's all the different, different groups of knights are all marching out yeah um and the thing is i actually one of the things i think is one of the best achievements of this film is it's a film set in a desert where you have uh muslims fighting against people who aren't muslims or for different backgrounds and stuff and it doesn't feel like it's like some sort of random rip off of Lawrence of Arabia. No, no, it doesn't. And and that's that's the that's one of the things i think quite an achievement isn't it? and i think even the shots the shots you you make the connection in your mind that, oh yeah, Lawrence of Arabia had something similar, but it doesn't look like any of the shots were the shots from Lawrence of Arabia. They're beautiful in their own right. Exactly but right. They, but they do not ape it. It's, no. there's, there's, there's almost like no homage. There's like no, there's no, it's like we're in the desert, we're fighting, there's Muslims, there's turbans, there's like, you know, yep. there's camels, but no, none of, none horses of Horses and bodies, yep. yeah. 
but and uh, i think that that is brilliant because it's it's i think almost people have been scared to go to the desert so to say <laughs> to make a movie because it's like oh my god it'd be like lawrence of arabia we, we can't yeah. we have to acknowledge this but the film manages to do that without doing without anything yeah, I agree. And, and i think that that's really cool yeah you're exactly right there and yeah. also the bit the ice in the desert bits oh yeah the ice in the desert bit i remember i remember looking and going oh Oh my word, that's interesting. <laughs> and it's just a moment that sort of, it tells you a little bit about who this Saladin character Captain, is. Yeah. This is a man who can carry around ice in the desert. And I was just like, oh, I don't know how he did that, but this is a man I want this to is, listen yeah, to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. <laughs> so yeah, that's a uh, no, good film, man. Good film, good choice. Uh, uh, do you want to say anything? Final word on um, Kingdom of Heaven? No, it's just, uh, I, I think we've pretty much covered it all, really, without saying to everybody, if you haven't seen it, it'd be, be good to go and see. Yeah, I I want to track down the director's cut. Yes, yeah, I'd like, like to. Good, yeah, director's cut. That yeah. sound 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 a good thing. They don't make them like they used to movie evening. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Could come around my house, watch the <laughs> Kingdom of Heaven director's cut. Cool, you're all invited. It'll all be it'll be done by the time you hear this, but never mind. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we are out of time for our actual broadcast we're going to finish at 7 30 but we will continue talking do check out the sunshine radio website look for they don't make them like they used to and you will hear more on all the other films we're talking about but in the meantime uh, stay safe um get well soon listen to your doctors and remember that as always everybody they, they don't, don't make, make them, them like, like they, they used, used to. to thank you so much for listening to us today <laughs>